Hello and welcome to the Mancunian Candidates, the show where we take a look at what's happening in America and we give the United Kingdom's view on that. We also look at some of the things that are going wrong in the United Kingdom or some of the things that are going right sometimes, although we don't do that very often. I'm Mike Royce and this is... Paul Ripley. Yep. <laughs> My name's Paul Ripley. Uh, we've got a packed show for you today. Uh, we, we'll have put a little post out on Facebook, on social media, asking about halal meat and, and kosher meat. It's been banned in Denmark from the 1st of January. It went under the radar, a little bit of news that went on there. So I'll put a post out uh, on Facebook, and the response has been amazing. I'm going to come back to that later in the show, but the response from people is so, I don't know, a, a lot to say. Put it that way, a lot to say. And Donald Trump, his fight back starts this week. He has to fight back. He's got no option, but that's what he does best. He fights, people tell me. He's up 3% in the polls. Yeah. He's gone up from 39% approval rate into 42 this week, which is bizarre when you think that this is the week when a lot of the skeletons started coming out of the closet. I mean, Cohen, you would have thought would have damaged him because some of the stuff that came out was mafia-type stuff. It was He, it, he came out Sounding like Don Corleone. He did. Also, we've got stabbings going across the UK. Stabbings everywhere, as Trump rightly said. He did that I don't movement. think there's as many as he said. Well, there's, there's, too, many. there's too many. Any is too many. Uh, and he's got to the point where Manchester, the latest headlines, which got just literally hot off the press. Say the headline, Mike. Well, see, I, f- I found this bizarre, to be honest because this, this is the Manchester Evening News yep. and it begins with um, Judge Brands Piccadilly Gardens uh, for those who are listening who are not in the UK that is our it's it's the it's like Piccadilly Circus in London. It's our central point. It's yep. the it's the centre of Manchester. So Judge Brand's Piccadilly Gardens, a no-go area, as he jails Fug, who robbed man of forty pounds armed with rusty hook. Does a bigger picture behind that story which wow. we'll go into and also to finish off with well, Brexit yes Brexit is about to hit us very hard but how are festivals like Walmart coping with it visas going in and out of European countries it used to be a rattle used to just get a plane or a, or, or a train and you're in Europe yeah. uh, you can work there you can bring your guitar you can play here we can play there all gone how are festivals like Walmart going to cope but let's start off with this Thing one tonight, the New Yorker dropped its big report yesterday about the very cozy, mutually beneficial partnership between President Trump and his mouthpiece, Fox News. And you might think that after getting caught red-handed like that, they both might want to lay low a bit. But instead, the president's Twitter feed last night was a full-on Trump TV live blog. Long quotations, I mean long quotations of his favorite boosters, Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson, and guests from appearances on multiple shows. I mean, he just watched them all. He even shared a clip of the auburn-haired Fox business host, Lou Dobbs. And if you listen closely, you can see how the perpetual Trump nonsense machine operates. This is nothing but a uh, political per- uh, persecution. Uh, it's not even an investigation. Uh, this is purely and straightforwardly an assault. I want to talk about what these lazy, indolent, passive son-of-a-guns can do 
uh, to respond to what is a clear declaration of war on the part of the radical Dems against the president and the and the American Republic. The Democrats' endless investigations, the hate Trump agenda, is now hitting literally psychotic levels of derangement. I heard they actually subpoenaed the chef that makes the taco bowls over at Trump Tower. That's how dirty they're getting. It's revenge politics because Hillary lost. The only thing Trump obstructed was Hillary getting into the White House. But... Let it not be said that there isn't journalism being practiced at Trump TV. The hard-hitting investigation that you might have missed, it's thing two, in 60 seconds. It's been nearly a month since Amazon founder Jeff Bezos accused the National Enquirer of trying to blackmail him. And although we don't know for sure, there's quite a bit of suspicion that the guy who runs the Enquirer, David Pecker, was going after Bezos as a way to please his longtime buddy and kind of business associate, really, President Donald Trump. Last night, Trump's second-best investigative journalist friend had a blockbuster investigative report of his own. Hannity Watch, an investigation into the 2020 candidates. All right, time for Hannity Watcher investigation into the 2020 candidates this weekend. Senator Bernie Sanders kicked off his 2020 campaign in Brooklyn, wasted little time before revealing, well, more hypocrisy. Democratic Socialist, open borders advocate, held a rally and was happy to greet his supporters from behind a barrier. Why is the fence up, Bernie? Oh, are barriers acceptable if they protect you personally? They're only wrong if they're used to protect our border and the American people. Just like how many celebrities in Hollywood and politicians have armed security guards and Bernie flies in private jets. That's right, Bernie. You burnt. Okay, this has been a Hannity Watch investigation, and all kidding aside, there are serious questions that need to be asked here. Like, is that guy okay? And Hannity, how good is Hannity, he said. How good is Hannity? How good is Hannity? He's a balland. Uh, and what do you, That's what he is. What do you read uh, from what you've heard, seen, uh, read on Twitter? I mean, what's... It's more of the same, isn't it? It's, it? it's more of the same, whipping up hatred, whipping up anger. I'll tell you why Bernie Sanders is behind a barrier. It's very simple. Bernie and a lot of other leading Democrats and um, Democrat-leaning pundits and people on CNN and basically anybody that doesn't agree with Trump and he's on the other side, um, turned up on a list, if you remember. A list, a, a yeah. list of targets to be taken out, killed, murdered, whatever way you want to look at it. And it's not the first time. His... His hatred, and he's, he's stoking up some people who are not right in the head, these radical right-wing lunatics that have more guns than, than a gun store in the basement. He winds them up, and they go off like clockwork robots, and he's got a responsibility for this. We've seen it time and time again. For over the years, Fox News, is a, Fox News have, got, um, have got form with this as well, themselves, never mind with Trump. Um, there was the time when um, T Tiller, the doctor, Dr Tiller, who was performing abortions at an abortion clinic legally, but he had to, obviously the pro-lifers outside, and he went to the limit of the law. And our friend, our sexual molester, who's no longer with Fox News, Bill O'Reilly, 
called him out, and he, he isn't it funny when these right wingers come up with these nicknames for people like Trump does? It's a form of bullying. These nicknames are a form of bullying. So he came up with Oh Tiller the Baby Killer. So every time he was talking about that as a news item, it go Oh Tiller the Baby Killer's in the news again. He's da da da. da. Yeah, and a week later he's found dead outside his his office. He was killed when he left his office. So you have to connect the two. You can't possibly not. So why is Bernie Saunders behind a barrier? Because you've got Fox News and you've got um, you've got Trump, and they are they are like they're they're doing a circle jerk. They're basically plugging their views into him, and he's plugging his views into them, and they're they're screaming as loud as possible, and they're whipping up the right wing base, and the one those people who are a little bit sick in the head, who have a lot of guns, they they're making a target out of people like Bernie Sanders for them. And I'm not, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me before long if there's a serious, somebody gets killed. Because it happened over here, the MP Joe Cox. Yeah. It can happen. MPs are not safe. So do you think it's the right approach or the right tactic by the Democrats now to blanket Trump with all these allegations across his finances going back so many years every aspect of his life, really. Because that's what they're defending, the saints' persecution. Well, persecution, I mean, is it it a witch hunt when you find a witch? That's the problem. If you actually find a witch, it's uh, the witch hunt was valid, wasn't it? But we're going after this without without information around Oh, I think we've got enough information off Cohen that that we know one... Off a liar? Well, he's not a liar, though, is he? Well... He's not a liar. Well, though, he is. He's going to prison for. He lied. Later. He lied up until the point where he, t- he gave testimony. You've got no reason to think that he's telling lies because, believe me, if he was telling lies, Mueller and his team would have would have called it out, and you know they would have because they called out Manafort, didn't they? Yeah. Manafort gave evidence and he went, "Yep, yeah, he's lying. He's actually obstructing justice, and he's now going to go to prison for the rest of his life." But now, the tactic, though. Tactic. Is that the right tactic? Um, it's Trump. something that me and a friend of mine used to refer to as the maximum havoc principle. When we were going after somebody with illegal action, we wouldn't just sue them on one plank. We'd we'd get every minor thing that we possibly could, so that 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 when that writ arrived, it had a pile of stuff because those small, tiny little accusations are like the Lilliputians. They all mount up and you uh, you are then crippling them with legal costs because they've got to spend time on these stupid little offences as well as the big one. There's always a big charge with a little, some small ones thrown in just to but cause confusion. But isn't the confusion. problem no time, though? Like you just said, the word time. Well, the time this, is you've only, got, drag on. you've only got two years and yeah. it's gone anyway. Yeah. I I think or, you'll or, be lucky. Or not. Or I not. think you'll be lucky Who if, knows? if they manage to get him legally removed from office within the two years. As Unless they uncover the, something the absolutely re- catastrophic. Yeah, there's a lot resting on this report, I think. Barry. Well, the report I've I've been I've been told that this report is not going to be what you're expecting. This report is going to not recommend its prosecution or impeachment or anything like that. It's going to simply state facts and then it's up for the local prosecutors in whatever areas uh, they can bring charges to bring charges. So the Mueller report will be a fuse. Somebody else is going to have to light that fuse. Now, 
what he's more likely to get done for is the um, campaign contributions, and that'll be Eric Jr. That'll be uh, Eric, sorry, Eric Trump. Okay. Not John, Donald Trump Jr. was at the uh, meeting with Russia. He's in, involved. I mean, they could get him on that. But I think Eric Trump is he's right in the crosshairs of the prosecutor. I think that that check that you saw the photocopy of, is it's a serious offence and there's no getting around the fact that it happened. I think that you may end up with Donald Trump resigning to do a deal to save his son. I would have thought a lot would depend as well on his uh, tax returns, which haven't shown up. Yeah, well, he, he will uh, appeal there, that. They? They're going to subpoena them, and they will subpoena them because they've got the house now, so they can do that. Now, he will then go and appeal that. So we yeah. don't know how long that'll take. That could take six months. Eventually, they can make him show his tax returns. Now, what are his tax returns going to show? Now, if, if he was uh, the multi-billionaire businessman above board that he was claiming to be why didn't he show his tax returns they would have shown a very 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 wealthy guy that you would want to be running the country so what's in there are there payments from foreign powers for services rendered that's what's, <laughs> that's all that people think it is they think there's, there's Russian money flowing through Trump's finances um, it's been interesting but it seems to be now getting to the point where it is dragging. It yeah. is dragging. I mean, well, he's going crazy, it seems, and he's going out there. And the Fox News... And also, I just want to cover this with you as well. Fox Media are obviously his mouthpiece. Richard, uh, mm. uh, Rupert Murdoch has been fully behind him all the way. Yeah. Murdoch is, a, to me, an unsavoury character, to say the least. Yeah, he's as bad. He's as bad as Trump. Yeah, uh, yeah, and the domination here on the, on press wise through Murdoch and, and Sky, uh, he, he has been well. He's done some good stuff. I mean, he's, he's brought, let's say, for example, football here 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 in the UK. Football huge, hmm. isn't it? Soccer, it's huge, and that's the, the well. He didn't Premier invent League. it, did he? He didn't invent it, but he gave it up a different platform and he changed it. He changed it. He single handedly changed it. The coverage made people some look at it. Some would ways. argue that he priced it out of some people's lives. That's down to the individual clubs, though. Yeah, yeah, that's another story altogether. But anyway, anyway, besides that, he has been supportive of Trump in every way, and I've got to think, why would he support Trump? Uh, and I don't even got an answer to that. It, what advantage well, you is want, it? You want people somebody. do favors, not favors. This in that world, yeah. is it? No, it's they're, they're a, not you, friends. Are you, they? you don't want somebody batting for the other team in a position of power across the pond. You, that's that's a given. He, he's a very conservative businessman. He wants somebody who are like-minded individual over there. So yeah, you've got a guy over there that's a proto dictator. He's got lots of money, he's privileged, and he's extremely to the right at the moment. And he, he that's, that's him, that's what Murdoch wants, it, it makes sense. He doesn't, he doesn't want Bernie Sanders over there, does he, giving free health care? I mean, this guy's got fingers in so many pies, he's got money in some of these um, financial insurance companies as well. I mean, the, the health care insurers... This is what I mean. You're talking about a fundamental change to the American way of life at the next election. Because if Bernie Sanders gets in, that means that he'll have had a there. There will be mainstream support for universal health care. That means that they will have their version of the NHS created. 
free university education. Those two alone are going to change American society forever. Yeah. And I don't think once... I think once the American people have this and they have a situation where they fall over ill in the street, an ambulance picks them up, takes them to hospital, they get better, then they get released and they don't get a bill, I don't think that they're going to be too happy if anyone tries to take that away from them. Very much like we, we are not. The, we don't like the idea of, um, of, of the NHS going. There'd be riots in the street if somebody tried to take that away. So what's happening is the Tories are trying to do it by stealth, by selling bits off here, here and there. Well, and I've been successful at it. Mm. Right, just before we move on, because we've got a packed show, like I say, uh, I just want to throw this question at you. I saw a report, I think it was in the, the Independent. Uh, yeah, I think it was the Independent uh, weekend. And it was about people. It listed so mm. many people of the richest people in the world. Yeah. And every one of them, it seemed, ha- had an agenda which wasn't nice. Yeah, that, that that's nice capitalism for you. Yeah. So, do you can you be very rich and still be a decent person, or is it in the DNA for you to get to that situation where you are rich? You are allowed to smile as you kill. I think that when you get as you go, you adapt. I think you might start out quite. I've known some people that are quite left-wing, quite socialist, and I've watched them change over the years, and then they've gone completely the other way, and they and that's 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 what you get sometimes. You get the likes of Scylla Black, and, you know, people like that. They start out in a derelict, hideous part of Liverpool, dragged up, um, get the big break, make an awful lot of money, and suddenly they're performing at the Conservative Party conference. Now, I'm not knocking Scylla Black. I thought Scylla Black was great. She was a great British uh, treasure. But I'm just saying that she certainly changed where that uh, tick was going on the ballot. What, I mean, she was Labour. She was she was mm. hardcore Labour. She was from a, a very militant Labour-held area of Liverpool. I think that when you get money, you want to protect what you've worked for. I'm not going to judge people on that. Now, I'm not... See, the thing is with me, even though I've got some money and I've got some businesses, I, I wasn't... It was never about that. It's always about... There's always a product involved. Like, for me, the magazine that I'm putting out, I, I put the magazine out because I take pleasure in putting the magazine out. And I'm not bothered about making money from that. I, I just want the magazine to do all right. You don't get that that often. Um, I I think it's a healthy way of living. It makes me feel better than than you know grabs grabbing. I mean, most of the society uh, are playing hungry, hungry hippos, aren't they? Yeah, but uh, I'll add to this story as well. After... I mean, don't you think that if you suddenly uh, say, say this station got bought by a massive uh, company, we, we we you'd be put in a position where right, if we signed a piece of paper now, me and you, we sold this station, yeah. and we we'd get a crazy amount of money each. Yeah. Uh, that suddenly we've got a choice. We have to take that, and then we can do a lot of good with that money, and maybe uh, open another radio station and open some other stuff as well, outreach programs, the lot. Or do we stick by our beliefs and go, no, we, we want the integrity of this station. We don't want this station to be operated by a large <laughs> I know what I, what I do. Well, I know. I'm just saying yeah, you, yeah. you'd be surprised what positions people yeah. get put in. and they, they, but, they, but, but let me just you know. throw this one at you. My, my daughter, she works for Barclays, and um, 
a long story, she ended up in a box at United uh, on, um, not Saturday, gone Saturday before. Not bad, that was fun. Yeah, in the box, it's a real posh thing, a real yeah. posh affair. And the guy who owns the box, mm. he was um, he goes hunting in, in uh, Slovakia or something like that. Oh, Ollie right. Muir's was oh. in the box. Oh, so right. Ollie yeah, Muir's yeah. is this guy, there's a few people. Uh, oh, the lottery winner who won since five million next door who's bought a box there. Uh, they invited him into his box. He was on his own with other few God, people. It's quite vulgar, isn't it? No. So oh, this is this, uh, uh, and oh, it's quite hideous, isn't it? And it's like, talk about daughter's quite. She's well. She's quite. She can be quite gobby at times, I suppose. But she starts very meek, very talking about politics, and she wants to get involved in politics and Brexit, and so she kept herself to herself because her views. Um, which she didn't think would be appropriate. In, for example, they said to her, uh, "What do you think about um, well shooting uh, shooting animals in?" She mentioned, "Well, there's a lot of shootings around our and where I was brought up, mm. and then the sort of comedy twist to it, thinking it's people rather than animals." Anyway, mm. but mm. all these people, all very very rich, uh, and a few people who own half of <clears throat> half of Liverpool and half of yeah. Manchester, all Labour voters. Turned out. So as the conversation as the wine got flowed, it can happen. It came out all, all Labour voters. It can happen. And they all hate. Hmm? Who do they dislike? Mr. Corbyn. Oh, there you go. Because there's a certain there is a certain place. It, the, the problem with Corbyn is this: he he does he hates wealth. He he sees wealth that if you've got... He starts from this position, and I'm telling you this from someone who's had this conversation with him in person. He starts from a position where I introduce you, and I, as is Paul, he, he, he's a manager of Fab Radio. All right, and he'll treat you all right, and he'd be nice to you and all that, unless I tell him that you're Jewish, which might be a different situation. Um, then uh, if I introduced you, though, as, oh, this is Paul Ripley, he's the head of a multinational um, broadcasting network, yeah. and he owns this and owns that and embellishes yeah. stuff, the minute he thinks you've got a few, Bob, you're the enemy. He thinks automatically that anybody that's got money is not self-made is not they've they've done okay they've got money on the backs of little people that's how he views it he thinks that you're the enemy the minute you've got money you're the enemy that is insane and if we fought like that we'd have never got elected we we need donors just the same as the tory party does we need money to get elected we need money when we're in power <clears throat> to keep in power and we need money to do certain things we needed the fabian society needs funding so that we can come up with socialist policies for the labor party to do to put in the manifesto and all this sort of stuff he thinks you're the enemy if you've got money and i think that's wrong i think that's very very wrong um, let's move on. Uh, in January, on January the 1st, uh, Denmark banned the slaughter of animals by the methods, methods used in kosher and halal food production. Um, and Can you it, explain those? Yeah. Because uh, I know roughly this, the draining, the, the, dra the draining this, of the, the blood, the, isn't the, it? That's uh, which is There's off. no way of stunning the animal before. They tend to use small animals, hang them upside down, yeah. and they slit the throat. Yes, that's, that's And the blood drains out and the animal dies that way. For yeah. a cow standing up, a cow stood up and the throat is slit. Right. Um, and we see it as more humane to use the bolt in the head, don't we? It's a we? bolt or, or yeah. electricity. Because that's in, in in instantaneous, isn't it? Yeah. So the, um, and and 
I put it out on Facebook and the response has been quite amazing. But let's play this first. Yeah. Um, uh, and this is some feedback from people who who believe that it's wrong to ban. Belgium has joined a handful of other European countries in banning the Muslim and Jewish methods for slaughtering animals. EU law states that animals be stunned before they're slaughtered so that they're incapable of feeling any pain. Jewish kosher and Muslim halal rituals, however, require the animals to be uh, in sound, good health and fully conscious, crucially. Some European countries do allow exceptions on religious grounds, but the move now in the Belgian region of Flanders which could lead to a nationwide ban, has caused outrage among minority communities that use the practices. Today is the last day on which kosher meat and poultry can be prepared in Belgium for the Jewish communities of Antwerp and Brussels. This is a sad day for the Jews of Europe, a sad day for religious freedom in Europe. Well, opponents of the Muslim and Jewish traditions, though, have called the ban here a humane development. They want to keep living in the Middle Ages and continue to slaughter without stunning, as the technique didn't yet exist back then, without having to answer to the law. So let's talk to two people who have got strong thoughts on this. I'm very pleased to say they've made the time to be with us tonight. Um, Belgium joined Sweden, Norway, Iceland, Denmark and Slovenia providing no exceptions for halal and kosher meat. To discuss the possibility of implications of this, we're joined by the chair of the Islamic Human Rights Commission, Masoud Shajare, and Belgium-based journalist Luke Rivet. Hi, gentlemen. Thanks for your time today. Luke, to you first. I mean, would you say that religious traditions and freedoms are under attack in Europe? Um, where do we draw the line? Is this really a concern about animal rights and their welfare or something deeper, maybe more sinister going on in Europe now. Your thoughts first, Luke. Well, I don't believe so, really. And I think, by the way, that 50%, it's a poll, recent poll in Belgium, 50% of uh, Muslims in Belgium believe that, indeed, animals could be or should be stunned before being killed following the ritual. And um, uh, I don't think it is uh, against any religion at all. Uh, if you listen to uh, an authority of Islam, Abu Bakr uh, of the Great Mosque in Paris, he says that to him uh, the stunning is acceptable if the animal could uh, come back to its senses after the stunning, which is the case. So Abu Bakr accepts the idea of stunning before killing. So I don't see where the problem is. It's uh, much more humane. Simple. But it's not just kind of playing with words. Just, just to, before I go over to Masoud Shahjure, uh, what you're saying that it's okay if the animal is stunned, so it potentially wouldn't feel the pain, but then it's okay if it comes back to its senses, so it potentially could feel the pain before it's killed. Is that my reading of what you're saying there. Yes, Mr. Abu Bakr says, okay, it will be st the animal will be mm. stunned and then killed following so the So it ritual. would feel pain. But, um, to him, uh, religiously speaking, sorry, religiously speaking, it means that the animal could come to its senses if he okay. were let alive, and so it is acceptable for Muslims that it being killed after being stunned. That's um, the idea. Masood Shajare, chair of the Islamic Human Rights Commission, do you concur with that, that, that line of thinking, or, or not? What's, what's the problem with stunning an animal before killing it and then eating it? Uh, first of all, uh, really, I think to take a quotation from one individual in Paris as a norm on behalf of the, all the Muslims and all the Jews in the country, it really is uh, outrageous. And I think the fact of the matter is that evidence shows um, uh, that there is really no more harm or um, uh, discomfort is brought to an animal uh, being stunned 
or indeed uh, killed according to halal or kosher tradition. The reality is when we say Islam, we're talking about electric shock or in the case of the cows, a, a metal rod being fired into their brain. And really that is no more humane than the halal or kosher way. This is the um, sort of all the evidence points out to that. And the reality is that even if you ban it in certain parts of the country or indeed in a country in Europe, then it's going to be imported from the rest of Europe or outside that area. The reality is no less animals are going to be slaughtered according to halal or kosher. All it means is that Muslims and Jews are going to be given the perception that they are not full citizens and indeed their rights in their own country and in their own area is being undermined. So, and we'll cut in there. Um, so it's wow. no difference to an animal whether it's a bolt through the head, electric shock, or having the throat cut and letting the blood yeah, come out he's and just die wrong. that way. He's just wrong. End of story. The guy is wrong. And we've had a, a, a message through of um, someone we wants to remain anonymous. We'll call her Ruby. Um, I don't think it's right when another animal sees what is going to happen to them by watching the slaughter and ritual of Halal. In a documentary, I watched the animals are clearly frightened and running uh, into walls to try and escape. This is fight or flight, when adrenaline is released into the body to help with danger. It is well known in studies that adrenaline can cause a number of health issues, and I worry that this can have an effect on what we are eating. See, that's a very interesting um, thought that a lot of people don't consider. She continues to say the slaughter of any animal should be done as humanely as possible. If the animal is in a stall on its own stunned and then killed, then the meat is more relaxed as they haven't had the chance to be fearful or panic. In my opinion, the ritual should either be banned or should have stricter regulations. Personally, I tried to stay away from halal meat, but that is becoming increasingly difficult now as the majority of retailers, butchers, factories and abattoirs have to have separate storage and food prep areas for halal. And so I just follow in halal slash kosher regulations uh, so as not to offend the Muslim or Jewish communities and the fact that they can't afford to run two different areas. Is it fair that then our children, patients in hospital, local takeaway or restaurant serve as meat we don't want to eat? Um, yes, some may go vegan, but I love a steak and can't live without a bacon butty, but I certainly don't think it's fair that I eat meat I know was terrified during its final hours. I think it's barbaric, barbaric that a, an animal was in needless pain before it died for consumption when it could have been over quickly and pain-free. And it's a great point there. It's, it's wonderful. I'd like to wonderful also thank message. Uh, uh, Dave Scott, who's, who's actually said, um, <clears throat> well, how do you want animals to die, Rip? He took it quite personal, really. Um, and he said debates like this cause a xenophobic approach to Xenophobia? Yeah. I don't think so. I think it opens it up. I mean, I, there's a lot of people do not know what's involved. I, I, uh, how many well, percent he, of the saying, populace saying, know go, what go halal inside is? A, a UK chicken farm mm. and they put some clips up on there from, uh, mm. I don't know how old that is, but they have, obviously, the way uh, animals are treated in the UK in general nowadays, because mm. I think that clip is quite old because the RSPCA is a lot better than it used to be. It is. And can I say that we, we've had another 
angle on this this week, this food thing, because we've um, there's been a lot of people, a lot of farmers, a lot of people in the industry who've said that the if we do do a deal, we do crash out of Europe and we do do a deal post Brexit with America, that they will be put out of business because they uh, the the cheap meat that that they just wash with uh, chlorinated water the chicken over in america and over here we think we we think that's harmful and we don't allow that and there's lots of other stuff that they do in america that we just wouldn't do basically they don't have to spend as much on food prep Mm. so therefore Mm. our farmers and our our food eu regulations by the way yeah yeah so so no our our um our standards over here are far superior to America, and they are a lot better than they used to be. Uh, uh, quite a few people, uh, including Paula Binney, uh, and who else? Uh, uh, Paula Binney, Don Thatcher from the US of A, and Haley Jones, uh, well, uh, sorry, Eddie Shee, all talk about being vegetarian. Okay. Uh, and the future should be that world. I mean, because the methane produced by uh, cattle is uh, good towards global warming. And we should all be veggies, really. I agree vegans. with that. I don't know the percentage of that. <coughs> I don't know how much of that goes to global warming. I would argue that jet aeroplanes do a lot more. But the, uh, I think that the, I don't see, I don't see us going vegetarian. I've been vegetarian. I was for eighteen months, but I had to. Oh, I just couldn't stand it. Yeah, oh, I right. couldn't. I didn't could, know this. Yeah, it was years ago. It was in the nineties, and um, about eighteen months, and then. I missed meat, I missed beef curries and, you know, lamb curries and stuff like that, and I I did. Now, back then, there wasn't much. You had Linda McCartney's pies, which it turned out (laughs) I was eating meat anyway. No, mate, you had vegetables in the ground. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you've got... And soya. Yeah, you've got other stuff. The the, the, the tofu was big, you know, people were making (laughs) stuff with that. Whereas now, you can get some nice curries that are made with um, halloumi cheese, which is, is... feels a bit more like meat. I personally couldn't stand it. Uh, I well, do you, you must remember, as I do, as, uh, well, obviously mm. I'm older, but I remember where if we had meat, it was a special part of the week. Yeah. For example, Sunday roast. Yeah, of course, yeah. You know, during yeah. the week, you had sausage mm. and chips, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But on Sunday, yeah. you had a big joint or a, yeah, that's a right, big yeah. special thing. But now it's so affordable, mm. you could have a, a Sunday roast every day. Perhaps. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah. And it has changed. Much perhaps easier. less meat. Mm. Perhaps we need less meat in our diet. Maybe, but I don't. I don't see us giving it up. I just no, don't. I don't. And and the move that this move to veggie. If you're talking about a move to vegetarianism, maybe I can uh, get my head around that. The move to veganism. Uh, I don't see that happening. No, it's geez. just too complicated geez. for most yeah. people. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, also, a great point here by a, a Matt. Uh, Whitwell, he says, I, w- I would understand the requirement for the kosher stroke halal more if there's any scientific basis to it, but it's literally just because it says so in an ancient text. Yeah, no, it's man- mental, that. That's why I thought there might be more to it than that. I don't know. I don't understand why you ritually need to bleed out an animal like that. And it is ritualistic. It's, it's like <clears throat> an offer to the gods, isn't it? Yeah. That's what it feels like. So is that what <clears throat> it is? Is that a daily um you you're being fed but you're also paying a uh, some sort of sacrifice to the god? I don't know. But, but this that... way it's taking over chains, for example, the local one down the road, mm. sandwich chain, what's it called? The 
big sandwich chain. Oh, uh, Subway. Subway, yes. Yeah. The guys from the office go to all the time. Mm. Halal meat only. Oh, right, you see. Yeah, it's because it they it's because they can only afford one food prep area. That's what was said in that uh, in that letter then, um, off Ruby. They 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 can only afford one. It, like Subway, they've all they've only got one food prep area. That is literally the the uh, counter area, isn't How it? Ridiculous. Though. Yeah, but I mean, you it's too much of a pain in the ass, isn't it? To have so, two and do it all separately. You know, the, people tell me, I mean, uh, without going too right wing on the view as well, without going too right mm. wing on it, because you need to slip into that road. Mm. But people tell me this is a Christian country. I, I, I don't believe in anything like that. I'm, I'm a complete atheist. Uh, I believe in science, really. In the uh, 70s so. and 80s, when I, when I was growing up, I, I felt religion uh, everywhere. And there was uh, everybody you knew. There's so many people that go to church and, and you know practice it. I right now, I it doesn't feel like that at all. No, I think it's a secular country. Mm. I think we're. I think we've moved we, away. We've moved from that. away. We moved on. Or have we? When people in the food chains are going using religious ancient texts mm. as a way of preparing food that they're yeah. selling to people who don't care about it we see the the um the muslim population has has exploded since the 70s and 80s and i guess it makes sense for a butcher as, as she's saying there before it makes sense a, a butcher a modest sized butcher he's not going to have two areas he's not going to have two freezers those freezers cost like 30 or forty thousand quid to to make those standing freezers and uh, you're not going to have two of them and the religion dictates that you cannot even put them in a freezer together can you no no they, that's what i'm talking about i remember my friend was kosher he's a kosher jewish guy from uh, italy and he was when he invited us round for um tea you should have seen the ritual of the just the washing up you know, it, it was quite an eye-opener. I'd not seen that before. Will we ever get more advanced as a race? Will it ever happen, or does religion have to go? The religion has to go if we're going to get, all get on, yeah. I mean, of course it does, because there is that you're told some absolute truths about the world that when you meet the next person with a different competing religion he's got a completely different world view you can't have a common ground when me i'm sat here talking about the origins of man and that i'm sat with a person who thinks that dinosaurs were roaming the earth six thousand years ago there is no uh, there's no way that you can get a common ground is there yeah right let's move on um Next week, don't forget, we have uh, our own Tom Anderson, the third Mancunian candidate from Alaska, Fox News correspondent, will be with us. Um, and I'm quite looking forward to that show already. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm going to torment him with what uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has been up to for the week. It's bizarre. She's not liked, is she? She's not it's, liked. Do you know what? They are empowering her more than than the Democrats are. The Republicans are that scared of her that they're her making brand her, of socialism. Yeah, they're making her into a more powerful figure yeah. than she is, and and that's it. Like straight away, straight away when we we're talking to um, to Tom last week, 
he brought her up, didn't he? Yeah. He was bringing her yeah. up left, right and centre. And then that amazing moment where he said, well, only in New York could someone be a barmaid and then suddenly end up uh, running yeah. for the House of Representatives. And we had to remind him that that's kind of your stick. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what they've been feeding it. Sent, you know, we've been, <clears throat> we've been fed this dream for years. My God, somebody's actually gone and done it and he's got a problem because it's uh, she's asking for things. But the uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has hit the news this week because it uh, turned out that she's giving her all her staff members a living wage of $15 an hour. And everybody's let's, losing their minds over that. Let's move on. Uh, we've, got, we've got troubles here across the UK. Uh, mm. It's been going on for, but since 2014. It's, it's really spiked. And it's about kids on the streets uh, using knives. Yeah. Stabbing people, killing people, mm. making areas no-go zones. All, all in the meantime, police are being cut. But according to May, yeah, what did she say yesterday? There's no correlation. No correlation. You can apparently, according to Theresa May, you can take tens of thousands of police officers off the streets with no discernible uh, increase in crime, which is is amazing because. All up until this point, we've always been told that the more cops you have, the safer it is. And I kind of believe that because I remember Manchester when we had a lot of police on the beat and you walked around and it felt safer. If you were being attacked, you could scream for help and a copper might turn up, you know. Whereas at this moment, you can walk from one end of Manchester to the other and you will not see a police officer. It's actually quite a surprise when you do see one. And we'll talk about what's uh, been said in the front of the newspaper later on. But this is a, a former policeman. Has his way what should be done to tackle night crime? My name is Nazir Afsal. I was the Chief Crown Prosecutor for the northwest of England. My sister-in-law's nephew, Hazra Umar, was stabbed to death in Birmingham. The best way to deal with grief is to take some action. These are my ideas. Firstly, police officer numbers have been devastated. 21,000 fewer. It means our neighbourhoods are not being policed in the same way. It means that police officers aren't being trusted with information and intelligence. It means that when we tell young people to run and hide, there's nowhere to run and hide. And there's nobody to tell when they need help and support. Secondly, the austerity has meant that youth services, children's services, all manner of services for young people are no longer there. The grassroots organisations that have taken its place don't have the funding. They operate on a shoestring. The young people no longer have the safe spaces where they can seek help, where they can seek support, where they can be mentored. That means that they're put at risk. They go to places like alleyways, like parks, where they're even more at risk. Thirdly, education. Research tells us you can identify the propensity to violence of a child from the age of four or five. So why are we not teaching them the consequences of crime? Not from a police officer, but from a victim. And then there's social media, which leads to isolation. Why are we not teaching them social skills? So they can deal with conflict. So they can walk away rather than fight and die. My nephew, Hazrat Umar, was 18, with tremendous potential, everything to live for and nothing to die for. I don't want any other family to have to go through what my family's had to go through. I want people to listen, I want people to act, I want people to be safe. And there we have it. Mm. Um, a really good interview, that, uh, the former 
Manchester uh, Chief. Can't remember his official title though. I'll take it out again for later on. Uh, and it, it's disturbing because some of the reports um, just recently have been. I mean, this, somebody, a young girl, sat in a park with a boyfriend. Two guys come along. Seventeen have been arrested now. They can't give out the names. Stabbed her straight away. Yeah. No reason. Yeah. Died. Yeah. You know what's going on in the world? I mean, I um, I'm a fairly big guy. Uh, that has no bearing on it. But I used to feel. I could not so much look up. I could run away quite quick, perhaps, yeah. when I'm walking through Manchester in the middle mm. of the night. If someone yeah. came up to me, I could get away, out of the situation. I was big, I could run. I hopefully, I'll put people off from real, from simple mm. snide ball coming up to me. Mm. Um, you've had problems in Manchester, Mike. Mm. I, I got mm-hmm. mugged here last year. And now it, the front page news of, which is fun to our, well, to my heart, and it is, I'm sure it's to you, mm. Mike, you're a lover of Manchester and everything in Manchester, yeah. that the, the city centre... The main bit, the Piccadilly Gardens, where yeah. it used to be an actual garden, by it the did. way. They're full of people well, who've been here. Yeah, in, ca- in case you hadn't gathered from the name of it. Yeah. It used to be a lovely garden with roses, with with really nice flowers. It used to be a nice place. And then you had heard... Central Park, wasn't it? Yeah, really? it was. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was really nice. So they decided to update it. And what they've done is, is horrendous. They built an awful concrete structure, a wall. They call it the Berlin Wall. Um, that hides people. You've got a couple of units in there where you've got noodle bar type operations, but they create alcoves and spaces for people to hide to mug you. They, you could not have designed a worse layout if you tried. If you decided to make a trap where people could lie in wait and mug people, that's what this is. It's a horrendous yeah. place. It looks terrible and it's invite. And because of the way it is and the way it looks and the way it's not policed and it's not looked after, the it's in, it's got the wrong sort of people there. You've got drug dealers, and where you've got drug everywhere, dealers, everywhere. Yeah, you've got you junkies. Can wander, I can wander from here to Piccadilly Gardens, and I I I can um, without trying too hard, I can see two or three deals going on. Mm. And it's not hard for me if I can see it. Please yeah. can see it. Yeah, no. You know, you go past any. You've got bar. more CCTV per square foot yeah. than any other city. In the world. Yeah, nothing's been going on. Why mm. aren't they being arrested? Mm. Um, th- 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 people say that, you know, um, a-, a certain community say there's too much police, too many police. Yeah. Police are not trusted. And we got a little interview coming up in a moment about from gang members who, who go on about they would rather live with killers than report it to the police. Uh, and we got then we got people like me are saying we need mm. more police on the street because you can't see any. You want... Yeah. If you want to shout, hey, police, you know, they'll whistle yeah. and a couple will come running, I, I, I would prefer more police. Yeah. But people say it doesn't work. Um, and, and like you quite yeah. rightly stated, yeah. our Prime Minister agrees with some people that it doesn't work. We don't yeah. need as many police. No, we I, just have CCTV. I couldn't disagree more. But I, as someone who, I mean, yeah. you're really interested in your opinion because you're, you're a person who's owned many establishments across Manchester. You must have seen and heard of and been part of and seen mm. more than violence. Yeah, you've seen. I presume you've seen all the worst bits and all the good bits, but all yeah. the worst bits as well. And I really want your heartfelt 
thinking and reasoning in the change you've seen? And could you just tell us a little bit about that? I think a huge part of it is society's changed as well, and we can't just live in a bubble. Manchester has gone downhill because society's gone downhill. Standards have dropped. People are behaving like fucks and and more people are than they used to be now the drug situation is out of hand now the drugs the drug situation now is beyond you can't pull it back from where it is now you will not win the war on drugs it will not happen now you've got to ask yourself what you're going to do do you carry on fighting it the way you're doing it or do you think about legalising it in some way because you've got to do something this is not working anymore and if you are serious about getting it under control then it's going to take manpower it's going to take officers now when I I do believe that having the beat Bobby around is important it's an important symbolic gesture it puts people off if you had four permanent police officers wandering around Piccadilly Gardens they would not be, they wouldn't be drug dealing going on because they wouldn't want to do it in plain sight of a police officer and that's it they they forget about the cctv and they don't care but they would be bothered if there was a police officer there and that's all it'd take to get that under control and if you got do you had officers at certain parts of manchester that are permanent permanent that's it. Yeah, we've seen what's happened here in Chinatown. We, our officers, um, Fab yep. Radio, is in Chinatown, and over the course leading up to uh, the recent Chinese New Year, they put a security firm on. I wasn't in agreement with this because you basically took police officers off the beat, and then you now you're hiring a private company to do it. It's bizarre. Where and those people have not got the dog in the fight that a police officer has, and all the years of training. Uh, there, it's a more transient job working for Showsec, the company that they got in. And yet, the minute they arrived patrolling um, Chinatown, the situation was better, wasn't yeah, it? Resolved. It was better. It was, yeah. Well, yeah, it better. Mm. Wrong way, it's not resolved, because still see people there. Yeah. Because it's cut, cut it back now. They're not, no, mm. not, <laughs> they're not here anymore. No. And suddenly, the problem's coming back again. There's only a couple there now. They yeah. used to, there was about four or five of them, and now there's just yeah. two that seem to be patrolling. I, at the end of the day, that's it. If you want law and order, you're going to have to put people in position permanently to look after the place. Do you remember the time in Manchester when they tried to bring over the American gang, the Red Hats or something? Yeah, 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 well, Guardian got, Angels. Guardian Angels, yeah. there we go. Do you yeah, remember I that do. time? I do. Uh, and did that work no. in the clubs? Uh, no, people just didn't bother. They, um, they, a few people did it, and then after a while, people just got fed up and stopped doing it. You know, just didn't catch on. Now, I believe it still goes on in America. Oh, no. mm. I don't I, know. I, I just came flicking back to me. So the whole thing about knives is, as it was as well. Um, well, you can have a knife because you don't get five years in prison for having no, a knife on and you. And someone said to me this clearly. To solve all this, anyone who's carrying a knife, no matter who it is, no matter mm. what the age are, they get five years. Yeah, that's it. Would that solve it? Perfect. Yeah, it would. It'd go a long way towards solving it. Because you, you also need the right to check people, though, and that's where your civil liberties start to get impinged. And your upon. thoughts on that? Well, we used to have the SUS law. We did. But the SUS law was abused, and what, what happened there, it basically was, if you saw a black guy, you used to search him. <laughs> that was what the SUS law turned into. It should have been uh, even-handed, but no, the police now, were racist. But now, most of these stabbings are black and black. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But what can you do? You still can't 
you can't stereotype them. It's well, dangerous to stereotype. Let's have a listen to what uh, members of certain gangs think about the whole situation. Surely more police is the only way we can stop this? Definitely not, because um, I'm not quite sure why everyone keeps thinking enforcement is the answer. Number one, the police have a trust issue with most communities. Well, namely the black community and poor white communities. There, there is a level of distrust amongst the police. There was a saying that I, when I met a gang member a couple of years ago, I think it was 21 or 22, and they said to me they would rather live with killers than report it to the police. That's the level of distrust they have with the police. There's a history that the police have not overcome since the 60s and 70s with my generation, how we started gangs because of the way we were treated under the sus law of the police. So this is an but, issue of trust and not the fact that we perhaps should be teaching kids to respect the police more? I think it works both ways. I think the community needs to build up um, trust and with the police as well as the police. But I think both, from a community perspective, needs to look at how are we going to do that. Because one thing for sure, when North Scarman came to see my crew when we burnt Brixton down in 81, there was recommendations that was made which was never followed through. McPherson then did some... 12, 13 years later, in 1993, I think it was, or 94, um, they did a report. And most of it has never been implemented. If you look at police today, a lot of what was supposed to be implemented in terms of the rise of black officers rate, getting to the top, that has never been achieved. Secondly, we need to look at why are we blaming the police? Why are we focusing on the police? Why are we always talking about the police as if they're the answer? The answer is parental responsibility. Now, if me as a parent is not, doesn't know the, the friends of my children, doesn't know what my children get up to on social media, how do I know if my, my child is not part of a gang or being threatened by a gang if I don't know what they're doing on social media? If right, I so, don't so Shelter, give us an idea then of how you're helping to overcome this. You talk about the police, you talk about parents, and your experience yourself, why do you think you're in a position where you can actually help overcome this issue? So, well, one of the things that needs to happen is that Gangsland has been saying for the last 15, 18 years that we need to be in the primary schools. 18 years ago, I did a presentation and I did it to the Home Office and I said to them um, that we need to be in all the primary schools so that we can stop the next generation getting in. Because you yourself were a gang member. Yes, my, and being a gang member, I'm able to relate and, and to these kids because these kids want to hear from people who have lived it. They don't want to hear from school teachers. They don't want to hear from police officers. They don't want to hear from somebody who may have lost their son because pulling on the emotional strings of teenagers just doesn't work. And I think... I'm just cousin there. So that's the CEO of Gangsline, mm. uh, a guy who believes in certain things I agree with and certain things I do not agree with. Um, your thoughts on that little interview? I think there's good coppers and I think there's bad coppers. And I think that if you blanketly start from the point of view of, well, everybody hates the police, which is pretty much what he said. Yeah. Um, everybody hates the police, so really going to the police is not the answer. Well, that's not good enough, that. And when you have somebody like him 
talking about the lack of trust, talking about it. He's talking that up. He's making that real. And I don't think that helps matters. I, I think there's a lack of trust with the police at certain levels. I don't really trust... Um, the police as well uh, because I've seen it from the other side of it I've seen, I've watched the police stitch people up, I've watched the police do some appalling things to people that I was helping out and representing and I I think that the police, uh, again, you, but you can't judge the police on the odd few that, that are a bit bent, because they are some of them are you know, on the, the take. People, yeah. Some of them yeah, are. Yeah. Some of them, the uniform has gone to the heads, and they're very aggressive, and it's very difficult. But if, if most people that join the police force are not doing it for the wage, they they actually do want to help. They do want to do something good. There Location. are some decent police officers out there. Yeah. And on that note, we'll finish as well. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for all the comments that came in via social media. Uh, especially to Ruby, uh, made them. That was a fabulous, comment. yeah, fabulous, fabulous insight. That was. Next say next week we'll be back with our friend, Mr. Tom Anderson, and we're going to be uh, and I'll be tormenting him with the adventures of Alexander Alexandria Acacia Cortez. <laughs>